God bless you. You're listening to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Anthony Wilson. Today on Love Thy Neighbor, we are going to dive into a powerful conversation about generational curses and soul ties. And we're going to find out what does the Bible actually say about these two very important Christian subjects. And so today on Love Thy Neighbor, prepare yourself, grab your Bible, your Strong's Concordance, and a quiet place to listen while we dive into what does the Bible really say about generational curses and soul ties. God bless you. I'll be right back. Welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. I'm your host, Anthony Wilson. And today we're diving into um, a two-part series. I think it's going to be a two-part series of uh, what does the Bible really say about generational curses and soul ties. And so we're going to start with generational curses. And so I had to do some research to kind of figure out where this whole idea of generational curses came from. And it was interesting that as did my research, traced it back um, to um, where the idea originated. And the idea originates um, in the book of Exodus, um, in the book of Exodus. And so in Exodus uh, chapter 20, um, and I believe verse 5 is what we're going to look at, um, but we're going to look at verses one through five, so we can get the context. Uh, actually, going to look at one through six, so we can get the context. But this idea of generational curses comes from um, what we call the Ten Commandments. Now, I don't even know if that's really what these are. Is the Ten Commandments? But these are the first ten of six hundred and thirteen commandments um, that God gave uh, to Israel, um, and so these are the the initial commandments. Um, that came out. And so um, looking at Exodus chapter 20 and verses one through six, here's what it reads. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likenesses of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth you should not bow down to them nor serve them for i the lord your god am a jealous god visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments so you say, well, where in that is the idea of generational curses? Well, most people cite verse five. Um, you shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I am the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. So this is the first place where we see this language and this idea that um, there are generational curses, that God will visit the iniquities of the father to the children 
to the third and the fourth generations, right? So this is the idea. Now, some of you are listening to me and saying, no, I don't hear anything about a generational curse there. Are you sure? That's where the idea came from? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm positive. As a matter of fact, I'll show you another place in Exodus where the same language is used where people cite the generational curses. So in Exodus chapter 34, this is after Moses makes the new tablet, tablets. So it's connected to the commandments. This idea of generational curses is connected directly to the commandments. So he had made the tablets first in chapter 20. He made new tablets uh, here, chapter 34. And we're going to look at verse 7. And here's what it says. Uh, Exodus 34, verse 7. Keeping mercy for the thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Same thing, right? Except for it's flipped. He talks about giving mercy to the thousands first and forgiving the transgressors, but not clearing the guilty, right? But visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation. And so this idea evolved somehow into the reason that families have certain issues. You know, some, some terminology is family curses, generational curses, um, ancestry curses. Um, and the idea is that somehow if you have certain bad things in your family, then God is visiting the iniquities of your fathers upon you, that you're suffering because of their sin, that your family is under a curse. Now, this is what people are teaching. Now, in this passage, um, it doesn't really explicitly say that that's what's happening. This is something very specific um, as it relates to um, them uh, committing idolatry and the sin of idolatry passing to the next generation. Um, even the idea of curse, the idea of curse is not there. So what does it mean that he's visiting the iniquity of the fathers onto the children? What does this even mean? How does, how does this even work here? Because that's an interesting concept <laughs> that he's visiting the iniquity of the fathers onto the children. And so this idea um, in this particular text, let me pull up my Strong's, um, refers to sin, the iniquity of the fathers, which is uh, 5771 in your Strong's Hebrew. Um, it means the guilt or punishment. The word visit, 6485, pequod. In, in the Hebrew, um, to attend, to visit, um, to muster, to appoint. It means to visit upon punishment as it refers to sin. This is also used in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 9, which is also um, within the law, right? We're looking at uh, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 5, in verse 9, this is right before chapter 6, 
where the Shema is given, the hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. This is also connected to uh, the commandments. So uh, Deuteronomy chapter five and verse nine. And you shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I am the Lord your God, and a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the Father upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands uh, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, within this um, language, you see, to those that hate me, there is the visiting of the punishment or the the sins whatever that the fathers have done those sins are visited upon the sons okay to those that hate them so there's a criteria here if you are under the punishment somehow that's if we're suggesting that this is true then you would have to be someone who has hated the lord rejected the lord and purposely and intentionally walked in sin because if you love the Lord and you keep his commandments, then mercy is extended to you to the thousands, to the thousands. Right. And so this idea that the sins of your father, if your dad was an alcoholic, that punishment is going to be on you. Well, there's going to be consequences for that. Right. Because if your dad is an alcoholic, he's probably not going to be a good dad and you're probably going to grow up with dad issues and you might grow up um, being estranged from him. Or if he dies early, it could affect you in a negative way. But is this God visiting, putting a curse on you? No, he's not putting a curse on you. You are not cursed because the sins of your father do not have to be yours. You do not have to fall under the bondage or the or the sins of the generation that came before you. So this idea uh, is interesting. Um, and so here, here, here's here's what I did. I started looking through the Bible and said, OK, is this true? Is this true? God, is this what you uh, want us to walk away with? And so I, I found this verse, uh, this set, this passage in Ezekiel, in Ezekiel uh, chapter 18 verses 19 through 21 Ezekiel chapter 18 verses 19 through 21 if you're ready we're going to break you free from this idea of generational curses are you ready are you ready to be free from it and I'm only in the Old Testament I haven't got to the New Testament yet because the New Testament really debunks this idea of generational curses but it explains what we're going through, what's happening to us uh, when we see repetitive patterns of sin, repetitive patterns of sickness, repetitive patterns of faults that people have. But here, let me share this with you in Ezekiel chapter 18, beginning at verse 19, and we're going to re read down uh, to verse 22. And here's what it says. You say, why should the son not bear the guilt of the father because the son has not because the son has done what is lawful and right and has kept all my statutes and observed them he shall surely live the soul who sins shall die the son shall not bear the guilt of the father nor the father bear the guilt of the son the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself 
But if the wicked man turns from his sin, which he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live and not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness which he has done. He shall live. Now, clearly, the prophet here, speaking on behalf of the Lord, says that a son shall not bear the guilt of his father if he does what's right in the sight of the Lord. And so immediately, for anyone out there that's listening, if you felt like you were under a generational curse, <clears throat> the remedy is that you do what's right and God blesses your life. That you don't bear the guilt of your fathers and your forefathers and your ancestors. Those things do not fall upon you. It is not God who is punishing you because uh, maybe your father committed adultery. Maybe he, you know, he, he was a, a murderer or I don't care what he was. That guilt is not on you if you do what's right in the sight of the Lord. And even your father, your, your ancestors, if they were to repent and turn and do what's right in the sight of the Lord, then the guilt would not be on them. They will live as well. This is scripture, y'all. Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 19 through 22. Read it, study it, break it down for yourself. This is important because we're under the impression that we are uh, held hostage. That, well, my, my grandpa and them, they were into witchcraft. And so now uh, there's sicknesses and there's things on us because of their witchcraft. That's not true. If you do what's right in the sight of the Lord, their guilt is not on you. They don't, you don't carry their guilt. You don't carry their guilt. And even in um, Exodus, he's saying, if you love the Lord, there's mercy on your life. Only those who hate him is the iniquity of the fathers visited upon their generations. And so this is not necessarily a curse. This is people hating the Lord and reaping the consequence, the negative consequences for what they have done. Now, some people cite Deuteronomy chapter 28, Deuteronomy chapter 28 um, for curses as well. Let's check that out. Right. Deuteronomy chapter 28 um, is a list of blessings and cursings. Now, the blessings are only 14 verses. The curses are something like 60, 45, 45 verses out of the 60 are curses. And the curses come upon people for disobe disobedience. That means if you are obedient, the curse is reversed. The curse is taken off. But if they refuse to do what the Lord asks, then the curses are on them, right? So Deuteronomy chapter 28, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord 
your God. So this is his promise to Israel. This is his promise to Israel that if they would obey him, he would put all these blessings on them. But verse 15, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to do all to observe carefully all the commandments and his statutes, which he commands you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And so this is consequences for disobedience or reward for for obedience, blessing for obedience. This is not something that, well, I'm under a curse. Anytime you are obedient to God, whatever could have happened or should have happened to you doesn't happen to you. Now, let's take a look at the New Testament. Let's take a look at the New Testament. You say, well, wait a minute. You know, my family has got this issue, or that issue, and, and, and all these issues. Well, um, let, me, let me show you. In Romans chapter 5. Beginning at verse 12. Here's what it says. Therefore, just as one man, just as through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men because all have sinned, all sinned. OK, so the one man, who's this one man? Well, this one man is Adam for unto the law. Sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So Adam came. Adam was the son of God. He was the, 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 the firstborn of God on the earth. Right. And he sinned. And so because of his sin, all of the generations of the earth were impacted because the first person on the earth sin. So what's what's wrong with us? What why do we have sicknesses? Why do we have diseases? Why do we have death? Why why do we commit murder? Why do we drink? Why do we have addictions? Why do we have this stuff because of Adam's sin? And even though he goes on to say that even if you don't sin in the likeness of the transgression of Adam, you still have sin. Because Adam sinned, that brought sin to everyone and that brought death to everyone. But guess what? There's hope. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift was not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from, from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Listen, y'all. When you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, when you believe that God has raised him from the dead, and you turn to the Lord and begin to follow him in obedience, the curse of sin, the outcome of sin, is no longer on your life. But we still have sicknesses in my family. That's because of the flesh. 
But spiritually, you are saved. You are already healed. The Bible says by his stripes, we were healed. When Jesus took the punishment for your sin, you were healed. This outward man is perishing. Y'all didn't know that. Y'all didn't know that. You, you, you focus so much on your outward man, but this outward man is perishing. According to first or second Corinthians chapter four, verse 16, look, listen to what it says. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. This outward man is dying. It's falling apart. It's decaying uh, every second, every minute of the day. But your inward man is being renewed. Eternal life is already yours. Listen to what it says. For our light afflictions, which are which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Oh, yes, man, my body hurts. Or yes, uh, I have a uh, uh, man. I have a degenerative arthritis or, that I got from my dad. This outward body is perishing, but your inward inward man is being renewed. And that's by virtue of Christ, because you are going to pass into the presence of God. And when you see him, you will be like him. And so, yeah, there's going to be struggles in this life. And there's going to be times where you need to pray for healing and strength to get through this life so that you can accomplish the things that God has left you here for because he saved you for a purpose if he saved you just to go to heaven then when you got saved you would have died and went to heaven but obviously he's got work here for you to do and so while you're here you can't look at the things that are seen you have to understand that the things that you don't see are the things that are important that 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 the spirit man is being renewed every single day Though, 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 though you may have aches and pains, though, though, though you, you know, may go through some, some things, the, the, the spirit man is being renewed. Well, what about the repetitive, the repetitive sins in my family? Uh, if they give their life to Christ, they can overcome that. <laughs> if they confess Jesus Christ as Lord, they are no longer bound to those things. He actually breaks the power of, of, of sin and, and sets you free. Let me read something else to you. Because all of us walked according to the power of this world. Oh, you, you, you didn't know that. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 2. And he made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature, listen, nature, say it again, nature, children of wrath, just as the other. Our nature was death. Our nature was punishment. Our nature was separation from God. But when Jesus Christ came, watch this, but God, here we go, verse 4, who was rich in mercy. Here It sounds just like the Old Testament, doesn't it? That, that, that he gave mercy to the thousands of those who love him. Here it comes. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. 
By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute. The only way you can receive that is by faith. Because you say, well, no, I'm looking at the outward things and it seems like I'm still in this world and it's still struggling and I'm still in pain. But, but he says, you've been raised up together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your position has already been set. You're already rescued. You're already saved. You're already delivered. You're already set for the presence of the Lord. So begin to live it. Listen to what he says. Uh, verse 7, that is that in the age to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we may walk in them. Listen, y'all. You're not bound by any curses. Not if you're in Christ Jesus. And if you're listening to me and you say, no, I, I'm going through a lot. Then, then, then today is the day. Today is the day that you confess Jesus Christ as Lord. You believe that God has raised him from the dead and you turn and walk with the Lord. Walk away from the spirit of disobedience that's been working in the world. Walk away from the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life that has held you captive. Break free from that through the power of God. Hear me now. You don't have to stay there. You say, well, what do I do? Well, if you're at home, you're by yourself, you're driving in the car, I want you to stop for a minute and say, Lord, forgive me for all of my sins. Lord, I confess Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. I believe that you raised him from the dead and you promised that I am saved. I turn from the ways of this world and I will follow you. I will walk in the grace that you have poured out on me. Help me today, God. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because I need to be sealed. I need to be uh, given the power to walk. I need gifts. I need your, 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 your presence in my life. And so send your Holy Spirit to dwell in me. That I may do your will. God, I, I denounce, I break, I, I, I cut ties with this belief that, that I'm under a curse. Because in Christ Jesus, I'm a new creation. Let me read this last thing to you. Here it is. Here it is. Are you ready? Are you ready? Second Corinthians chapter five and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Now all things of God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has now given us the ministry of reconciliation. Guess what? You just got your ministry. You've been set free. Now your job is to go and set other people's free. You, you have been reconciled to God. So now your job is to go and reconcile others to God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be under the bondage of beliefs that put us in places where we're thinking that what have we done to, to, for this to happen to me? What have we done for, 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 for these things to have to come upon me? Why am I broke? Why am I, uh, 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 
have this sickness? Why uh, have has uh, all these uh, rapes happened in my life or divorces happened in my life? These things are the product of sin and disobedience to God. And so somebody disobeyed God and they took it out on you. And that's not fair, but God can heal you from that. God can uh, reclaim you from that. God can redeem you from that. God can restore your life. And then you go and restore other people's lives. You go and encourage other people. And so, so generational curses, no, no, no. If any man is Christ, he's a new creation. That God, by his stripes, we are healed. That we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. Let me give you one more scripture. I know I keep trying to stop, but the word of God just keeps coming back to me. Here's what it says in, in Colossians uh, chapter one, uh, verses 12. Through 14, here's what it says giving thanks to the Father, thank you, God, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. The saints mean the holy ones, the ones that are set apart. He has delivered us. Everybody say, I'm delivered. He has delivered us. Say, I'm delivered from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. I'm no longer under the power of darkness. I'm no longer under curses. I'm no longer under the bondage of sin, but I've been delivered. I've been conveyed. I've been brought into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sin. Somebody thank God that your sins are forgiven and you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood broke the curse. His blood breaks uh, the, the, the punishment off of your life. He destroys whatever the enemy meant to do to you. He can't do to you anymore because you're in his you're in Christ's kingdom, not in his anymore. That's something worth praising God for. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about this because this is the gospel message and we need to remember what the gospel says. And if we understand the gospel, then we understand that there is no generational curses holding us in bondage. I got to give you one more thing and then I gotta get out of here. One of my favorite characters in the whole Bible is a young man named Josiah. A young man named Josiah in Second Chronicles chapter 33 and verse 21. It talks about Josiah's grandfather and father and their life. Um, if you read chapter 33, you see the whole life of Josiah's grandfather, um, Manasseh. But at the end of 33, and I'm going to pick it up at verse 21, it says Ammon, who was Manasseh's son. Okay, this was Manasseh's son. Now, Manasseh worshiped foreign gods, but he repented and he turned from those gods. But his son Ammon, verse 21, Ammon was 22 years old when he became king and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord. As his father Manasseh had done and Ammon sacrificed to all the carved images which his father Manasseh had made and served them. Now, what was it that he took that? What was it that uh, Exodus said? Do not worship any other gods. Do not make carven images of anything in heaven, on the earth or under the earth. What did Manasseh do? Exactly what God told him not to do. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord. What did uh, Ammon do? Exactly what God told him not to do. He followed in his father's footsteps, right? 
and serve those same gods, right? Verse 23, he did not humble himself before the Lord as his father Manasseh had humbled himself. Manasseh humbled himself, repented, turned to God, and, and walked away from serving those idols. But Ammon did not. But Ammon trespassed, trespassed more and more. Then his servants conspired against him and killed him in his own house. Somebody would say, that's a generational curse. No, that's the consequences for disobeying the Lord. But the people of the land executed all those who had conspired against Ammon. Then the king of the land, then the king, then the people of the land made his son Josiah king in his place. Now his father worshipped idols his grandfather worshipped idols what is josiah going to do is he under the curse is he going to keep doing what the rest of them did chapter 34 josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in jerusalem but he did what was right in the sight of the lord and walked in the ways of his father david and he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left hand his father david david is his great 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 grandfather <laughs> the, 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 his his father and his grandfather sinned but somehow Josiah was able to not succumb to the sins of his father what did Ezekiel say that the son shall not bear the guilt of the father but if he does what is right in the sight of the Lord he will live verse 3 for in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. And in the twelfth year, began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of all the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molten images. They broke down the altars of Baal in his presence and the incense altars, which were above them. He cut them down and the wooden images and the carved images and the molten images. He broke into pieces. And he made dust of them and scattered it all on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. And he also burned the bones of the priest on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. Don't tell me you're bound to repeat the mistakes of your, your forefathers. You are free to serve God, so serve him. I pray that this helps you. Next week, we're going to dive into soul ties because soul ties is another way that we try to explain um, some things that are happening to us. And so the next part of this will be soul ties. I pray that this blessed you. Please message me, contact me, um, support this channel. If you if you like the content, uh, we're just trying to teach sound biblical doctrine. We don't want to teach all that crazy stuff. Let's, what does the word of God say? God bless you. Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you.